So I'm just wondering, have you been asked recently, so how are you doing? And you pause for a second because you're trying to figure out, I mean, is that rhetorical? Should I really say? How do I say? I mean, am I okay? I don't really feel okay. That's probably not what they're really asking. It's just semantics. It's just a a way of welcoming somebody. And how do we honestly come to a point where we can say, I am doing well. Thank you for asking. And how are you? I've found myself recently struggling to answer that question. And I have to tell you and confess to you that what I just say is, I'm good. How are you? When the reality is, I'm not quite as good as I'm saying. But my suspicion is, that's not really what they're asking. We know that most of the time, that's just a general greeting. And most people aren't actually looking for an honest answer of how are you really doing? So, I want to talk about that today. The reason why I want to talk about it is because I am suspicious that I am not the only one. We are nearing the fall into the winter and coming close to the end of 2021. What that means is we are coming to almost two years of incredible turmoil, unbelievable amounts of change at a rate that is very difficult to manage. Many of us have experienced an unbelievable amount of grief, a tremendous amount of loss. And this is hard to remain resilient for this long, for the long haul. And here's uh, the unfortunate news. We're nowhere near done. So how are we really doing How can we keep a finger on, a hand on, how do we get a grasp on what we're really struggling with? And how can we implement some things in our life so that we can be sure that we are living and not just surviving? So that we can honestly answer the question, well, I'm doing well. Thank you for asking And how are you? Truthfully, I'm tired of the word resilient. I'm just even tired of having to think about it. But the truth is, is if we do not stay on top of these things, we're in for a really long experience. We're in for a really long, difficult time. More difficult than we've already had. Because as things continue we wear out and we wear down. And what we know is when we begin to run dry, we are not as effective in all aspects of our life. We find less fulfillment in our jobs. We find um, our marriages struggling. Our relationships are more difficult. Our tempers are quicker to flare, and our ability to parent our children becomes exponentially 
more difficult because we ourselves aren't actually okay. So whether you have children or not, most people here probably do, but even if you don't, this conversation matters because it affects everything that's in your life. And most importantly, it affects your mental health and how you are feeling. And right now, we are experiencing mental health crises like we have never experienced before. And all of us that are therapists and mental health providers, we knew that the real pandemic was going to end up being a mental health crisis because we weren't made to be under this kind of stress for this long. So... I'm going to give you a quick introduction. I'm going to meet you back on the other side. And we're going to talk about some ways that we can be adding into our life and maybe subtracting from our life. It's called addition by subtraction at times so that we can keep a hold of what sanity we do have left to keep and to be sure that we can honestly answer the question, I'm doing well, thank you, and how are you? Welcome to the Uplift Effect Podcast. This is Jill and I am the host and owner of the Uplift Effect Coaching and Consulting. I transform moms from and children from chaos to calm. That is my calling. It is what I love doing. And you are going to hear evidence of the two things that bring me to this podcast. First and probably most importantly, I am a mother of four children. And while they are not all tiny anymore, I have three teenagers at home, which, oh my goodness. And I have one uh, young adult that is in college. But the other thing is, I come to this with a background uh, as a grief and trauma therapist and have spent years helping families in crisis. And if you're wondering about the V formation, the birds, the logo, head on back to the very first episode. It's a very cool story. It is well worth a listen, and it will help this all make much more sense. I am on social media, Facebook and Instagram. You can find me there. I also have a YouTube channel. Maybe that's how you're listening. But if you would like more information and how to work with me more directly to transform your chaos to calm, you can DM me through those avenues. Thank you so much for listening to the Uplift Effect podcast. Okay, I'm back. And let's just get into it. First of all, I will say that as a grief and trauma therapist, as my professional background, one of the things that I have quickly done when I had somebody um, come into my office or whatever that I would be working with, and they were really struggling, one of the really good go-tos that you can always use is to have them come up with sometimes and, and tell you about times in their life that they have also had very difficult times. So in my life, I'll use me as an example, right now is not an easy time. There's a lot of things happening um, across the board in all aspects of my life. And so it's not the easiest of times. 
And it can, we can very quickly go in a downward spiral with that and, and the way we think and the self-talk and all of that. What I know helps is to remind myself, maybe to write them down, maybe to journal it in some way about other difficult times in my past, what was going on, how was I feeling then, and how did I cope? What lessons did I learn about my coping? What strategies would I repeat in what I did back then? And what are some things that I need to find replacements for that actually weren't good coping skills? I need to remind myself that I've been through some hard things in the past. My divorce was gut-wrenchingly difficult. But I did it. I got through it. And I'm here now, and my kids are doing really well, considering. And while there's likely scarring that happens from things in our past, we also know that we did get through it. It wasn't forever, though it felt in the moment that it was always going to be. I distinctly remember thinking, I will never fall asleep on dry pillowcases ever again in my life. Well, that was a little dramatic. I have slept for many, many years on dry pillowcases. But it can be used as fuel in tough times. Fuel that reminds me that I can and I will come through this and so will you, just as we have before. And for some of you, maybe you have been through many, many things, much, much worse than this. You may not be able to see it now, and that's okay. You didn't then either. You didn't know how it was all going to work out. But lo and behold, every second turned into a minute, and every minute turned into hours, and hours turned into days. And here we are. I have been divorced for over 12 years, and we made it through. Does that mean it's perfect? No, but we are far better off than where we were 11, 12, 13 years ago. One of the other things that I want to remind you about is that oftentimes when we are really in a difficult time of life and we are struggling, there are lessons just sitting there waiting for us to grab hold of. Things like, maybe you're really, really tired. Why? Why are you so fatigued right now? Journal that. Use that as a writing prompt and get curious about what's draining you. Maybe you've overcommitted for this season of life. Maybe that's seasonal, literally, or maybe it's just with the amount of stress that we have going on in our lives and in the world and and how that affects your daily life. Maybe you're overcommitted and you need to learn the art of saying, not right now, or maybe no. Maybe you're being called to a new place. Maybe you are being directioned in a place and positioned in a place for change. 
Maybe you're at a crossroads of new growth and new self-discovery. That's actually good news. Maybe you need to make some small changes and maybe you need to make some really big changes. Maybe you are fighting depression for the first time. Anxiety is possibly creeping in while you're going through the motions. And maybe your passions that you've always had and have felt are somehow dulled. In all of those circumstances, and all of those scenarios, there are lessons waiting to be discovered and things that you can learn about yourself in the midst of those things. Difficult times are actually often the catalyst we need to make really important changes in our life. I can think of so many things in my life that I am thankful for that came through really difficult, gut-wrenching times. And I bet you the same may be true for you. Here's a couple things that I have started to implement and have implemented at other times in my life as well when things get really difficult and they stay really difficult. At the very beginning of 2020, I just so happened to find myself at Hobby Lobby one day and realize that they sell a pack of battery-operated candles. And I thought, hmm, that's a good idea because I spend money on candles that just burn and then I have to buy more of them. What if I bought battery-operated candles? What I didn't know is that those most of those battery-operated candles can be then set to automatically go on at a certain time. Hmm. I wonder how that could change things. I set it for 6.30 at night. You know, by 7.30, I joke that things didn't feel like they were in all caps. Everything wasn't in bold. I suddenly realized that within an hour of having turned off my regular lights, only having most of my house lit by candlelight, in the flickering motion of that, was very soothing. By 7.30, my heart rate was lower. My blood pressure was lower. I talked softer, calmer, kinder. And I was ready for bed fairly soon. In a time in my life back then that I was not sleeping very well at all, I discovered that these battery-operated candles really helped calm my body down and the energy and the panic and the fearfulness and the nervousness. It really helped calm those things down so that I could feel better, function better, and rest better. So I'd pull up on your phone the Hobby Lobby 50% off coupon that you can always find that's good anytime. And note, they're not open on Sundays, so so Monday through Saturday, swing by Hobby Lobby and find yourself a pack that come in different sizes of battery-operated candles. Set those suckers for whatever time you want in the evening. Turn off your lights and see if it doesn't make a difference. One of the other things that I have done is that I have started making a list. I've done this off and on throughout time. Uh a list of my favorite things 
Now, for me, I actually keep a lot of that on my camera roll. My camera roll is very telling. <laughs> you are going to find a large number of sunrises, sunsets, and waterfalls. You're going to see funny quotes from my kids that come up on my time hop on Facebook. Thank goodness for time hops. Make a list of things that truly make you happy. Things that you love. Maybe for me, it's the color yellow and the color turquoise. I spend more time with those colors. I wear my yellow clothes, though I've got blonde hair and blue eyes and fair skin, and I don't really look all that great in yellow, probably. I don't care. I'm going to wear my yellow clothes more often in my yellow shirt because it makes me feel happier. I found a mug the other day. In the bottom of it's all yellow and it has black and white polka dots. And in the middle of it, written in yellow, it says, stay wild. Don't you know I bought that? <laughs> because it just, for $2, it just makes me happy to drink my coffee out of it. I also keep those melted wax things in my house that makes my house smell good and smell amazing to me. It's funny how small little things like that can really change your mood. When my house smells good and it feels cleaner to me, I'm in a much better frame of mind. Here's another little funny thing. I've started collecting feathers. Now, the origin of all of that is a story for another time, but I have feathers throughout my house. I'm having a small little issue right now with our kitten because guess who also really loves feathers? <laughs> oh yeah, the kitten is finding my feathers and I'm getting frustrated because my little blue jay feathers, my itty bitty teeny tiny microscopic blue jay feathers are now scattered throughout the house in places that I can't always find them. But I've started collecting feathers because as I am out and about in life, and I find a little feather, it brings me incredible joy. And don't you know, I pick it up and I take it home. Now, I understand there can be bugs and, and mites and all kinds of things. I'm careful. But I have got a small little feather garden in a variety of different places in and out of my home. And it just brings me joy. I love looking at all of the colors. Not a one of them is exactly the same. And it's just incredible. Because here's the truth. I don't have birds in my house. Some people do. Birds are things that are up in the sky that I actually can't really have much of a connection to. I see them from afar. And somehow having those little feathers and being able to really look at them. Some of them are turkey feathers, by the way, from my farm. Well, they're amazing. They're incredible. They're all unique. And I could go on for a really long time about all of the things that those feathers have meant and small little lessons that they have brought into my life and joy that they have brought me. Call me crazy. It wouldn't be the first time. But I love collecting feathers. Maybe you love collecting seashells. Maybe you love collecting colorful rocks from the river. Whatever it is that you enjoy doing, go and spend more time 
doing those things. Another thing I've had to do is I've had to really adjust some expectations. I've had to learn to do less and live more. I've had to remind myself that busyness is actually lying to me. You are not going to win Mom of the Year Award because you have volunteered yourself away and you are dry to the bone. Exhaustion causes us to be grumpy, frustrated, resentful, and unavailable to the things that we truly want to enjoy in our life. It's okay. You have permission. Give yourself permission. It's all right to do less so that you can live more. One of the other things I want to remind you, I got an idea from Emily P. Freeman. She is the author of The Next Right Thing book. She also has a podcast and I highly recommend it to you. A podcast is going to be one of the things I list to you in just a minute, and hers is one of them that is very, very soothing, um, and I love listening to it. But she has a thing called What I'm Learning List, and there's a reason she explains about it. I've heard her talk about it many, many times, but it reminds us that we are more than what we are doing. What we are about and what and who we are becoming is very, very important. And when we are making a list of what we are learning, it helps remind us that we are becoming someone, that we are not human doings, that we are human beings. And so I've also started that. I've started a list of things I'm learning and they can be silly. Like I'm learning that I don't actually have to listen to a podcast in the shower as a disguise of, I want to be taking advantage of every spare moment. Just taking a warm shower is enough. It's called relaxing. (laughs) It's called doing less. I don't have to be learning every moment of the day. It's okay to just enjoy the hot shower. I'm also learning that though I have three boys and a daughter, and I know how to get three boys ready for homecoming, it's a totally different experience to get a daughter ready for homecoming. I'm learning that. And at the end of every month, Emily P. Freeman makes a list of everything she's learned that month. And many of her followers and people who um, interact with her on social media, they will post to her things that they have learned that month. As a exercise of reflection, not because we always want to be looking back, but as we reflect back, we are reminded about how to better move forward. I have found that to be an incredibly helpful exercise. One of the other things that I want to share with you is that I have had to learn, um, And again, maybe the better word is to be mindful, to enjoy the little things in life, to not look over them and disregard them and kind of get so busy or so overwhelmed with negativity 
that I forget that there's little things in life that are really, really things that bring me joy. One of them is, is that my dog, my German short hair pointer, Blaze, that you hear now because she always flaps her ears and only does that when I'm podcasting. But my dog is keenly aware of my daily patterns. She spends her entire life right by my side. She knows when I get up in the morning that I go to the kitchen and I make coffee and very often I go sit out on the front porch and she's waiting by the door, the front door that she uses no other time but in the morning because we sit and we watch birds together. That's right. I've become a bird watcher. I know that sounds a little, um, maybe uh, we like, we make fun of people as they get older for being bird watchers, but I don't know. I'm 45 years old and I live on a farm and I have just been amazed by watching the birds. As I mentioned something about the feathers earlier, I have birds that soar over the skies here on my farm and it is incredibly soothing. Also, the orchestration of their crowing and the conversation that I imagine that maybe they're having. And sometimes I laugh out loud because I make up in my mind some conversation that they're probably having. And you know what? That's okay. It brings just a little bit of joy to my life. And I love thinking like that. It gives me a little bit of vacation from the other things that are really breaking my heart. So what are some other things? Um, here's some other things. Right brain activity. Creative types of activities are extremely helpful when we are really being taxed, emotionally particularly. When we're having to use a lot of left brain, a lot of logic, a lot of trying to figure things out and sort things out, it is helpful to not forget that we have a right brain and it's atrophying if we're not using it and it can bring us a lot of balance. So I mentioned something about a shower. I don't care if you already took a shower, take another one. Getting in the hot shower or a bath, a glass of wine, those things that help calm you down and soothe you can be incredibly helpful. What about writing? I've talked about making some lists. I have found that to be very, very helpful for me, as I know it is a lot of people. And let me just tell you something. I would have not thought that it would have been as helpful as it has become. There are so many things that I have discovered about how I really feel or really think about something when I actually write it. There is a process of getting things untangled out of my mind and written out on a sheet of paper that helps me make sense of what I'm actually sorting through in my mind. The other thing is, is that I'm a knitter. <laughs> Again, I guess maybe I'm uh, well beyond my years, but I love the rhythmic motion of knitting. It's very creative in the sense that you can use all kinds of different colors. Um, there's wild, crazy colors. You can make socks, you can make beanies, you can make scarves. I even make sweaters and it is a really cathartic process. If you don't know how to knit, oh my goodness, start. There's YouTube tutorials. I'm not saying the first 48 hours are gonna be all that relaxing, but eventually if you'll stick with it, make pot holders at first, that's the simplest thing to do. 
but use fun colors. You might discover that you're better at it than you think and you can find yourself calming and relaxing by the rhythmic motion of doing something like knitting. What about music? Playing music is unbelievably helpful. Listening to music. What about going out on walks in the evening? How about reading a new book, a new author? These little um, pop-up library stands that you see in neighborhoods and different places. Like, just go look and see what's in that little box. Maybe there's a book in there that at first glance, you wouldn't think would be something you would enjoy. You might surprise yourself. What about a new Netflix series? Here's another one that I have discovered somewhat on accident, but art. (laughs) Um, Yes, I sound kind of artistic because I've talked about a variety of, you know, knitting and whatever, but I can tell you, you never want me to join you and be on your team for a Pictionary game. I'm going to make us lose. I cannot even draw stick figures. I didn't get that gene. I come from a family of artists. I didn't get that gene. But then a funny thing happened when I tried watercolor. The reality is, is that watercolor lends itself to abstract art. And that's the only reason that I can do anything along the lines of painting is because there is such a thing as abstract art. Therefore, you're not supposed to color in the lines and you don't have to know how to really draw And watercolor is very user-friendly because you're just adding water and you're allowing the colors to merge as they may. Sure, there's a couple little techniques that you can learn on YouTube that help make it look something other than a big blob of mess. But if I can do it, you can do it. And I have found that to be incredibly fun. You need a very small number of things that you can get at any arts and crafts store, and including Walmart. They often come in kits. Watercolors just require water, the color, the watercolor, a paintbrush, and watercolor paper. That's it. And a little bit of fun. Think outside the box and enjoy watching how colors merge together by one common denominator, which is water. Photography for some people is also something they love doing. And I have also enjoyed doing that by means of just taking pictures on my phone. Um, And like I said, go through your camera roll and look through the things that you have enjoyed. What are you taking pictures of? That's an indication of some things that you probably really enjoy. Go spend more time with them. But try new things. Figure out a new author a new show, a new hobby, and create space for doing those things. One of the things I started doing during um, the beginning of the pandemic is I had my son, one of my boys, hook up our hammock. And I spent a lot of time outside in the hammock. And as the weather gets better now and um, a little bit cooler, we're going to be doing that again. Getting fresh air, being outside, being in the sunshine can really, really be helpful if you are struggling with any level of depression, anxiety, 
um, any of those things, the simple swaying back and forth, just breathing in the fresh air, the sunlight, the sounds of the birds, looking for um, designs in the clouds, all of those things to just be instead of feeling like you have to always be doing. Another thing that I have found, I have done many, many times and through periods throughout my life, is I started moving food and eating time outside. On our back porch, on our back deck, we would eat a lot outside. We would spend more time in the evenings outside. I'd light up one of those bug lights and we would spend our evenings outside. The other thing that I really enjoy doing is listening to podcasts. And the great thing about podcasts is they can be inspirational. You can listen to a story and get kind of lost in a story, a book. You can also listen to very, very funny podcasts if you need to laugh. There are a large, large number of podcasts that I, that address every aspect of life. And if you're in pop culture and you want to know what's going on, there's podcasts for that. If you're really political and you like to learn about more of that kind of stuff, um, I, I can't imagine right now needing any more exposure to that. But if you do, podcasts are a wonderful way to get information, to listen to books, to hear stories, or to listen to comedy. The other thing that I want to remind you is that exercise is so very important. When we're struggling and we're not feeling all that great, the last thing we want to do is to go exercise. My suggestion for you with that is to start by getting outside and going walking. Maybe it's to be in the woods. Maybe it's to go be by water. There's something so healing about being by moving, flowing water. But even if it's just a walk in your neighborhood, get your body moving. One of the things that I have talked to many of my clients over the years when they're struggling um, and, and feeling bad is to literally change your physiology. If you are sitting in your bed, get up and go take laps around the neighborhood. Get up and go ride your bicycle. Get in your car and just go for a ride. You don't even have to go anywhere. Maybe you go to a local lake or a local stream or river. Maybe you go to a pond. Maybe you go fishing. Maybe you go watch a sunset. Whatever it is, most of the time, if you will change your physiology, literally change what your body is doing, and get to a different space, your mind has a way to kind of follow. That's not to say that you're not going to kind of still have some heavy heartedness, but it is a change of scenery and that change of scenery can make all the difference in the world. I hope that there have been some ideas here that have helped you. What I know is, is that you're probably going to have to pull out your magnifying glass and you're going to have to look a little closer at some things than maybe you have in the past and you cannot take for granted the need to take care of yourself. It is needed now more than ever. And I'm not saying to not volunteer. 
Because maybe you really need to volunteer because you haven't been doing it and it puts you around people and you need that people interaction. But if you've been volunteering all of your spare time and you're exhausted, that's an indication that you need to make a pivot. I know that times are really tough. I'm feeling them. Your neighbor's feeling them. Your family's feeling them. And your kids are very aware (laughs) of uh, my kids. Let me make that to me. My kids are very aware of my stress. And my suspicion is, is that yours are too. It is on us to take control of what we can. There's so many things right now that we cannot control, but I can control my reaction to them. And my reaction to them is actually based on how well I'm taking care of myself because I'm not going to have my best reaction when I am completely exhausted and have nothing else to give. So protect it. Put it into your schedule Like it it is the most important thing because the truth is you're not that great of a worker. You're not that great of a parent. You're not that great of a spouse if you are not taking care of yourself. And for some of you, you're going to have to let go of the guilt that somehow, somewhere you have equated that to being selfish. No, it's not selfish. It's called self-care Because it is a way to truly care for yourself first, to put the oxygen mask on yourself first, so that you are better able to take care of and love and support those around you. Have a wonderful rest of your week. I look forward to seeing you and talking to you. I guess I won't see you at all, but talk to you in the coming weeks. I have some really exciting episodes um, in the next week or two ahead, and I cannot wait. I am talking about the most common questions that parents ask me in relationship to their children. And the truth is, if you have not had to have some of these discussions with your children yet, I guarantee you 100% you are. I will talk to you more about that next week in the week to come in the weeks to come. Have a wonderful week. Thank you for listening to the Uplift Effect podcast. Bye-bye.